Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough, DG McCullough. I'm a narrative coach, a communications coach, and a mental fitness coach from New Zealand based in the fine state of Wisconsin. In each episode, the Sage Sayers unpacks communications, tips, and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all around the world who found the gift, the opportunity, and even some knowledge in life's inevitable challenges. Season 3, Episode 20. My guest today wants to share her story, anonymously for her privacy, of two fertility treatments she has undertaken and the gifts, the learning and the opportunity that she has found along the way. She's part of a larger and a growing trend. World over, a dramatic spike exists in women having fertility treatments through egg retrieval and freezing. The Pew Research Center's new September survey found that 4 in 10 adults, around 42% of Americans, say they've used fertility treatments or know someone who has. That's a 33% uptick from five years ago. Experts aren't sure what's going on, but most agree that the social pattern and trend began during COVID when social distancing prevented interactions and women, like men, took stock and control of their lives. Infertility is rising too. The World Health Organization's April 2023 report cites that infertility affects 1.6 people globally. Meanwhile, more companies have added fertility treatments to their covered health benefits, thereby bringing down the price point and adding an extra incentive for treatments. More women, like my guest today, want to plan ahead to ensure they can have a family when they're ready. Here's her story. My guest today, I'm not going to name because she wants to remain nameless. But she's with me today because she has an exciting journey that she wants to share. She's doing egg freezing treatment, part of a fertility treatment, and is learning so much about herself along the way. Welcome to The Sage Says. Thank you so much, Debbie. It's really nice to have you here. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Sure. I'm actually doing egg cryogenic storage. So the idea is actually to preserve the eggs that I have today for future. My idea is actually uh, because after 35 years ago, our body will start to age. And there's a scientific study saying that for women past 35 years old, the number of egg counts that we produce every month will drop significantly. In addition to that, the quality of the eggs will actually deteriorate pretty significantly as well. So I would like to preserve my options. I meet the right person that would like to be a family or until maybe I'm ready to raise a family by myself. I love that. And I wondered at what point did you know that you wanted to plan towards that family for yourself in the future? 
So this is actually my second time doing the egg freezing procedure. Um, I did it about four years ago, but in the midst of COVID. Um, so again, it was an epiphany coming from the COVID struggle. I realized, you know, I do truly want a family that I can build be a really, really significant part of the contributor. And even though I'm not ready, I would like to have the options when I'm ready. And what did you learn, if anything, from the first time you did egg treatment four years ago? I think number one, awareness is really, really the key. And then with that awareness, it actually drove me to study more about our body, you know, how does food, dietary, exercise, mental health, rest, you know, sleep all come together to affect how our body functions. Our body is a miraculous you know, machine, but it needs attention just like any other machine. It needs care, it needs maintenance. So um, it actually um, has me to think about, you know, the things that I do in terms of selections, choices that I made, everything that impact myself to be more careful. Um, I think heightened awareness about that actually has benefited a lot. So tell me some of the things that you did differently. And this is all through the lens of a quality treatment and retrieval? Okay, so number one, I used to pride myself to be a night owl and I don't need much of sleep. So ever people ask me how much, how much sleep do I get every day, I often say, you know, I can function well four hours. I typically get five to six. Now, after, you know, really observing my body changes, you know, over the last few months, as well as what I have done differently in terms of habits, I have actually seen significant change on my energy level, as well as, you know, just the feedback from the doctors, as well as the um, traditional Chinese medicine doctor feedback about how my body powers is breathing. It's amazing how much attention and effort you put in and what's the result that you you're getting back. So sleep is actually very, very important. What did you notice when you got more sleep? I'm definitely less agitated, I'm more grounded, and tends to take things on a positive note than if I don't get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And the treatments? How did the treatments change when you got more rest? Right. Um, so I think uh, right now, again, um, because I've paid so much debt in my early 20s, I think what I've done over the past few months is probably not enough to drove any significant change on the result that I'm getting from you know medical tests or whatnot. But mentally, I'm definitely more positive that this is going to set me on the right path going forward as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm more convinced being a very, you know, I would say rational person, I'm convinced that based on the result that I personally have seen on the two different lifestyles that I've had, I will be able to sustain this more healthy path going forward. And t- tell us a little bit about the treatments themselves. I understand from you and other women I know that some struggle, some find it really easy. What are the things that you've noticed about the treatments themselves and how they impact you physically and mentally? Yeah, sure. So it is a pretty well-developed procedure. 
And it's also highly, you know, variable, depends on individual. As I mentioned, your personal style, as well as how your body reacts to the stimulation. So for, for myself, I think I've done this before. And especially during COVID, I think there's so much other things that's going on. I kind of forgot how nervous or how frightened I was. But this time, um, I think just doing it by yourself is actually pretty daunting. Mm-hmm. The medications, the needles is a lot. What do you have to do? How many needles and how often? Right. So on a typical day, I do three injections. And sometimes if I get a little bit shaky with my injections, I have to replace the needles. So call it minimum three. You know, it could vary to six needles a day. And you're shooting hormones in? Yes, I'm shooting hormones every morning as well as every night. It typically lasts between 10 to, I would say, 14 days. Mm -hmm. I am actually on my 15th day today. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. How are you feeling? Um, I feel, I feel a little bit under the weather, but, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, running the meetings, you know, showing up for work, definitely feeling like a little bit bloated. I couldn't do exercise like I used to be. Mm-hmm. I'm just very easy and, uh, you know, trying to keep a good appetite because both the Chinese doctor as well as the Western doctor told me that I need to make sure they have a good intake of uh, healthy diet, like high proteins, good fiber intake, and uh, well hydrated. Well, well done. And I've heard you mention a Western and a Chinese doctor that you are interchanging with. Tell me the virtues of that. I'm a big advocate of using Western and Chinese medicine too for menopause and other things that I navigate with my health. How are the two disciplines helping you? Yeah, good question. So actually it was not recommended by the clinics that I'm going with. Uh, however, I think it goes back to the awareness and being known by your body. So I went back uh, and before I start this cycle, I actually have done a lot of research about what are the levers that I could have to boost my chance, especially I'm, you know, 36 years old. I'm not at my prime, so to say. One of the things that I can do within my control to actually improve my, you know, shots of getting more eggs to be achieved and with higher quality. So I've tried to, you know, read as much paper as I could. There's really no single thing that you could do to boost your health or your chance. But one thing that was cited by many clinics is actually acupuncture. Mm-hmm. So that was the reason why I, you know, I was really lucky. I tried this wellness center and bumped into this acupuncture practitioner who used to be a doctor when she was in China. And she's here practicing acupuncture and specialized in fertility. So I've been seeing her every week uh, before my stimulation cycle starts. And now I'm seeing her two times a week. Fantastic. What do you notice from the acupuncture and twice a week visits? It's my first time ever doing acupuncture. It's just amazing Mm -hmm. that literally feel, you know, the flows. Now when things move in your body, Mm -hmm. needles come in. You know, and after it's all done, I can really feel, you know, the energy that's flowing around my body. How exciting. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And I wondered when I speak with other women who are doing fertility treatment, some are choosing not to loop in their first family or keeping it a secret or they're letting just a select group of friends knowing. Others are choosing to keep the dialogue minimal or zero with their employer as well. Talk to me a little bit about how much of your story, if any, you feel comfortable sharing with those you know or work with and what guides those decisions? I see. So it has definitely been a journey for myself. For the first time, I didn't tell anybody until the day of the procedure when the doctor told me that they can't allow me to walk home by myself. So I I have to tell, because it was during COVID, I didn't want to put anybody at risk. Mm. Uh, My family was also overseas, so I didn't want my parents to be too worried during COVID. So I told one good friend of mine, and she accompanied me through the procedure. So this time, um, because, you know, I'm driving a team, a transitional team. So I actually told my supervisor that, hey, you know, I will be taking some time that not going to be in office, but working remotely. She was super supportive. And And you told her the reason? You were transparent with the reason? Yes, I was very transparent with the reason. And uh, she was very supportive. And uh, I decided to tell also some of my peers in that I work closely about what I was going through. I do keep it private with the gentlemen. It's just that I maybe it's too personal to share with them, but I think a lot of ladies that, especially my trusted partners at work, all of them are super supportive. And I keep a, a close group of friends, you know, updated on what I'm going through. And one of them is actually going through the same procedure as myself. So we exchange notes. And we encourage each other along the way. I love that. So I see a smile there. What's it like to share what you're going through with others that you trust, your inner circle? I think um, especially with things that it's not something that we do day in, day out. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of, I would say, ups and downs that sometimes, say, for example, I'm below the average for some of the indices that uh, I measure on. Sometimes I do get a little bit disappointed, but guess what? You know, talking to friends, you know, not say exchange news, but talking to friends about letting those anxiety get out, it evaporates the moment that you talk about it. So good. And I wondered, with tomorrow's procedure, what's happening tomorrow? Right, so I'm seeing the doctor again, and just to see how the follicles in my body has grown, whether they're even, whether you know they're the right size, and then uh, we would make a decision whether I would do the trigger shot. Apparently, that's the one last shot that I would take before I go on to have my eggs retrieved. So that's what's happening tomorrow. I'm squeezing in a last acupuncture right before the retrieval on Wednesday or Thursday. How exciting and how do you feel? Uh, actually, at this point, I just want to get it over and done with. Um, how long so, has this current treatment been? It's been how many days, did you say? 21 days um, or something? It's been about 15 days. Mm. So, yeah, I'm definitely on the longer side of the spectrum so far. Yeah. It usually takes about 10 to 14 days. And you have a friend in place to help you if you need it on yeah. there and back. Yeah. I wondered if any woman 
here in the States or anywhere globally. And I know women all over the world are retrieving their eggs. In fact, Taiwan is one of the countries where it's growing the most. I wondered if anyone is on the fence wondering, and they do have the resources, how would you encourage them? Or what would you tell them to reassure them with any concern they might have? Right. So it's funny. I was just talking to a colleague at work. She was an IVF baby together with her twin brother. Their mom gave birth at 50 years old. She's about 33, 34 this year. So you can imagine, you know, even back then, 30 years ago, how the technology was just developed. And now with so many years has passed and how technology has advanced and with so many of us have gone through the procedures. I think uh, the success rate is really high. Often in time, it's just how our body works because huge dependency is on individuals' health and body condition. I would suggest that if you do want to be with family in the future, do consider this as one of the options and uh, do as much research as you need to feel comfortable whether this is the right path. If you have a partner, great. You know, if you don't, this is another added uh, optionality that you could have. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and all the best for tomorrow. Anything else to air or share today? Uh, No, just good luck to anybody that is considering it or is going through the procedure right now. I think the one topic I, we didn't touch on, and I'm hoping you'll come back for more after your treatment when and if you are interested in returning to my show, what about the cost? How has the cost changed from the four years prior treatment to today and how might it be cost prohibitive depending on where you're based? What do you know? Sure. So I was fortunate that four years ago I was with a company that had full coverage for fertility treatment. So I actually didn't pay anything. Whoa! Inc- including the medication. But right now, I have full visibility of the cost. Not that my company don't pay for it, it's just that uh, it's a reimbursement um, model. They don't cover everything, but I can walk down maybe just high level. In terms of procedure uh, consultations, um, the actual day of procedure is about 10000 The medication is on top of it. Usually, it doesn't allow insurance to be covered. It's about, it varies between your medication level. So it ranges from 4,000 to 6,000. So up to today, uh, you know, I'm into 15 days of my medication. I have spent close to 5,000 on just the medications. So you can say the full cost, just about one cycle is about Mm 15,000. Every year, once you freeze the eggs, you have a storage cost for about, I think four years ago, it's only about 700. This year, I got the bill saying that it's going up to 900 per year. So it's not too expensive, but it's not a small amount. Thank you for sharing that. And I hear that from anecdotally, there's a huge raging market outside of the U.S., what do you know about other countries like Taiwan, for instance? And then uh, anecdotally, I've heard, I want to say Turkey or somewhere. And the, the, there are pockets where excellent surgeons and experts exist already. And some from the States and these giant universities and hospitals are going over there too. What do you know? 
Yeah, good question. So I do have a lot of friends in Asia where some of the countries do prohibit uh, single women to go through like uh, fertility treatment or egg freezing procedure by themselves. So one of my friends just went to Taiwan because of that. The cost is like 30% of what we pay in the US, which is, you know, very, very competitive. But I think people need to consider where would you likely to have the IVF treatment? Mm-hmm. Because most mature technology is still in the US. So what's going to happen is that, uh, say, for example, five years down the road, you would like to have, you know, the IVF treatment and have your eggs implanted. Then what you need to do is to have those eggs being transported from Taiwan to the US in a facility. Not saying that, you know, the transportation is not going to be well managed, but any additional steps along the process introduce risk. And uh, it's another consideration factor when people trying to do, say, egg freezing or storage uh, outside of the U.S. Beautiful. Thank you. I noticed you're so well-researched. You've done your work. Part of the decision-making process, no doubt. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you. Thank you, Debbie. You've been listening to DG McCullough with The Sage Sayers, a podcast on business communications and mental fitness, finding the sage approach to life's challenges. If you'd like to coach and train with me on any communication or life challenge, visit my website, hangingrockcoaching.com or find me on LinkedIn with the hashtag Brave Communicators. Both links you'll find within the show notes. I want to thank my producer, Doton, for his elegant edits, making these episodes beautiful in ways far beyond my skills. You can find Doton on Fiverr under Titan32. And thank you to my coaches all over the globe who spark creative ideas for each episode. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. i mm-hmm.